0: We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Zazna Miranda Leal. Migrant workers are people whom the Canadian state grants entry into Canada for a limited period of time to do a specified kind of work. There are high status versions as well. But most, and those that are the focus of today's show, are brought here mostly from the Global South to do low-status, low-wage work on farms, caring for children, in the service industry, in the fisheries, in factories, and much more. Migrant workers have been part of Canadian society for at least five decades, but the total number and the range of kinds of work that they are brought to Canada to do has expanded significantly in the last 20 years. Often, migrant worker programs are framed as being about meeting labor market needs. But even a cursory look at the way that such programs work makes it clear that really what they're about is benefiting employers by using state practices to push a pool of working people into conditions that make them highly vulnerable and easily exploitable. The rules vary somewhat from program to program, but the end result is mostly workers who are, by law, forced into tight dependence on a single employer, deprived of rights that other workers in Canada take for granted, and made extremely vulnerable to deportation, so it's very difficult for them to insist on enforcement of the rights they do have, and to struggle for justice. Moreover, even other social movements in Canada sometimes do a poor job of standing in solidarity with migrant workers, with, for example, certain elements in the mainstream labor movement being particularly prone to taking positions that reinforce the injustices faced by migrant workers. There are, however, many organizations across the country, mostly grassroots, largely unfunded, and local or sectoral or provincial in scope, that organize or otherwise work directly with migrant workers to fight for rights and for justice. For years, these organizations have communicated and coordinated with each other, and occasionally they've talked about forming some kind of a national organization. And this year, they did, the Coalition for Migrant Worker Rights Canada, which they put together with the aim of intervening in the federal election and acting to further justice for migrant workers after the election. Zazna Miranda-Leal is an organizer with the group Justice for Migrant Workers, the Ontario Provincial Coalition Migrant Workers Alliance for Change, and now the New National Coalition. She talks with me about the struggles of migrant workers, the Coalition for Migrant Worker Rights Canada, and their vision for a more just future for migrant workers. We spoke by Skype to phone from Toronto. Good morning, my name is
1: Zazna Miranda-Leal. I am an organizer and I work with migrant workers, and the Coalition of Migrant Worker Rights Canada is a national initiative that was just launched between us at the Migrant Workers Alliance for Change and several other groups of migrant workers and allies around Canada. I've been doing work for many years with a group called Justice for Migrant Workers, And I've been working with mostly farm workers, food workers in southwestern Ontario. We formed something called the Migrant Workers Alliance for Change here in Ontario. Maybe in 2008, we started that work. And just recently, this year, the Migrant Workers Alliance for Change, who also is an alliance of 15 other Ontario-based migrant worker and ally organizations, started coordinating with groups around the country to focus more on this national work. 50 or so years ago, the government of Canada decided that they needed to start bringing in workers to work in agriculture, foreign workers to work in agriculture, and they opened what is now called the Seasonal Agricultural Workers Program. That was meant to fill a labor shortage in the farms in southwestern Ontario, and the program started with people from Jamaica coming and doing that work. Over time, they expanded the program to include people from other Caribbean nations, from Trinidad and Tobago, and also Mexico. So over the years, the program grew a lot and tens of thousands of workers started coming to work in the farms all over Canada and work in different crops and work in different greenhouses. And then also in, I believe it was 2002, The Liberal government actually increased the size of the program by creating a parallel program called the NOC-C&D Temporary Foreign Worker Program or the Low-Skill Temporary Foreign Worker Program, through which they started enabling employers around Canada in other occupations other than agriculture to also start requesting permission from the federal government to hire temporary foreign workers. By this point, growers in agriculture had been able to expand their businesses to great, great amounts because of the access that they had to this cheap labor, right? Because they didn't have to pay workers any higher than the minimum wage. And in our experience, there were a lot of things that weren't being paid for. So workers were often seeing their own paychecks short-cashed and underpaid for hours that they worked. But also in Ontario, the program was hugely successful because the Ontario labor protections actually exclude agriculture from most basic protections, including overtime pay. So, for example, workers who in agriculture work anywhere between 50 and 70 hour weeks were not receiving overtime pay, right? So it was a big subsidy for agriculture around the country to be able to have access to this labor force who, in addition was coming in with a closed work permit, meaning a work permit that only allows you to work with one company or one employer, and in fact, restrict all labor mobility for that worker, right? So if there were any issues at work, workers could not change employers, which to this day, right, makes migrant workers a very vulnerable workforce, just by the way the program is structured. We found that employers prefer those kinds of employees to people who can say no, Right? So it basically creates a group of workers who can never say no or they will lose not only their jobs, but also their work level. So it started expanding very quickly and then employers started bringing folks to work in agriculture, but also in services, in construction, in many other industries. Here's workers in Canada working in mining, fishing, factories, you name it. So one of the biggest characteristics of migrant workers who are considered low skilled is that they have closed work permits and that no matter how many years they work in Canada, they do not have access to permanent residence ever. Whereas somebody on a so-called high-skilled work permit, they can apply to permanent residence actually in a few different ways and they can change employers usually or it's a lot easier to change employers, right? So the program has grown a lot since it was created. It's actually allowed industries to bloom and to grow And that's why it became very popular among employers, because it provided a very exploitable, very immobile workforce that couldn't assert their rights in the most effective way.
0: Tell me more about the organizations that came together to form this new coalition and about the kinds of work that they were doing before the coalition got started.
1: For example... One of the member organizations of the Coalition for Migrant Worker Rights Canada is the Temporary Foreign Workers Association in Quebec. Those are folks that have been working for a few years in and around Montreal and the province of Quebec with temporary foreign workers in many different industries from agriculture to other low-skilled occupations, such as construction. And they actually do a lot of on-the-ground organizing and support, and they do a lot of individual support for those workers whenever they need information, or they have problems at work, or they think they want to file maybe a claim for lost wages, unpaid wages. They've existed for many years in Quebec, and they work very closely with the Immigrant Workers Center. They work together. They're part of the same organizing, and they're one of our members. Another one of our members is the Radical Action with Migrant Workers in Agriculture in the Okanagan Valley. Those are folks that do also direct support for workers in the seasonal agricultural worker program, but also in the agricultural stream of the temporary foreign worker program. And they do a lot of on-the-ground work with farm workers mostly in D.C. Also very important is the Vancouver Committee for Domestic Workers and Caregiver Rights. That's an organization made up of caregivers and former caregivers who organize themselves and organize actions in Vancouver around specifically caregiver issues related to workplace issues, but also demanding permanent resident status on landing, expediting family processing and family reunification. The Temporary Foreign Workers Coalition in Alberta works together very closely with Migranti Alberta and they've been able to support a lot of workers that have come out and spoken in the last few years in the fast food industry and also in other industries. But you might have heard a few workers coming out and talking about unpaid wages and exploitative conditions in Alberta. So that was those members. And then there's also the Cooper Institute in PEI who in recent years has started to also reach out to migrant workers and do more of advocacy work and policy work in PEI where there's a lot of workers in fisheries and also some in agriculture. And then we are the last member, I guess, the Migrant Workers Alliance for Change, and we are made up of 16 different organizations in Ontario, which includes grassroots workers' organizations, worker centers, legal clinics, and unions.
0: How does the work on the ground that these organizations do with migrant workers look different from what we might think of as conventional labor organizing that trade unions do?
1: A lot of these workers are either legally not allowed to unionize or they're practically not allowed to unionize. So oftentimes, I guess, this sort of grassroots organizing is their only option. It looks different, I guess, in the way that it's mostly unfunded versus union organizing. And there's a lot of volunteer work that makes up all of these organizations in the alliance. In fact, there's very few staff people, if at all, involved in this whole national movement. In addition to that, I think organizing with migrant workers has to be increasingly and a lot more flexible and resourceful than traditional union organizing, or maybe in similar ways to union organizing in the sense that workers have to hide what they're doing from their employer. But one difference is that many of these workers are housed by their employers, right? So, Hiding what you do at home is actually a lot harder when you're provided housing by your boss. So there has to be a lot of other meetup places. There has to be outreach done, not at the workplace and not where people live, but maybe where they hang out, maybe in the mall or in the different stores or in the community centers that people attend. And it also tends to be not just about workplace, but more community organizing. So it tends to include issues of health care. Issues of immigration, issues of community racism and tensions in the community. There's many other issues that have to be dealt with in addition to workplace issues, which is more maybe what traditional unions might do.
0: Tell me about the kinds of conversations that were happening among these organizations when the decision was made to found this national coalition. Why did people think it was a good idea and why was then the time to do it?
1: Conversations had been going on for years about national organizing. The truth is, during the conservative government, it seemed like we were always responding to a crisis. There were so many changes through Citizenship and Immigration Canada, but also through Employment and Social Development Canada, that made it more and more and more difficult for migrant workers to stay, to change jobs, to come here in the first place, So it seemed like we were always responding to another crisis and another change that had made things worse during the conservative federal government. In terms of organizing, that took a lot of our time, energy, and capacity. And it also left us focusing on the provincial organizing because we felt like we were just being pushed and pushed and attacked further by the federal government. So we focused on municipal and provincial issues a lot during those years. And then once it was time for the election and we thought there might be a change of government or we thought there might be a change in the structure of the government, majorities versus minorities, we thought it might be a good time to revisit those plans throughout the year leading up to the election. So we started having discussions again around Canada, although we do always talk because this population, these workers move a lot throughout the country, right? So we end up collaborating quite a bit with these folks anyway. So we decided that we would plan for the elections, even if we didn't think that we were going to get the most meaningful change through the elections, we thought it would be a good time to start discussing federal issues just because everybody was paying attention. Once elections are coming, everybody's discussing election issues or federal issues. Immigration became an election issue because of the refugee crisis, when in fact it wasn't going to be an election issue before that in the spring and early summer. So we saw that as a moment and as an opportunity to also raise the issues of immigration regarding migrant workers. And then we got things going. That's how we started with the meeting and having conversations about launching something national publicly. The structure officially doesn't have any hierarchy. There's no chair. There's no director. We are right now acting as a coalition. And so we have monthly meetings through which things get decided. Things get discussed, and so far we've been discussing and making decisions through consensus, but we're still also in the process of creating a more formal structure for decision-making and membership. So right now, we are all members, and we all take part in suggesting new members and accepting new members and deciding on actions and strategies.
0: And after the decision had been taken to found the coalition, what was the initial plan of action?
1: Well, we are hoping to push and monitor the new government, especially strongly in the first few months of government. So because the House has been sitting, that work will likely start in January. We are looking at how to keep our eye out right now for interviews and press conferences and announcements that are being made by the government and by the new Minister of Immigration around changes and then also try to voice our concerns publicly in the next few months so that they are being counted in when decisions are being made around the new, the new priorities or the priorities of the new government. And then it's sort of a work in progress. We will see how it goes, and we will plan according to what decisions happen, and it will also, I believe, be reactions to decisions that get made in the new government but finally, we will be coming up with the agenda as well, right? And we'll be having actions around the country, hopefully this winter, and that we're already having discussions about to push for our priorities, which include access for permanent residence for uh, workers in the low-wage category and also open work permits so that workers are not in those precarious situations that we talked about where they can't change jobs, even if they're being abused at work.
0: And there's a petition that you launched at the same time as you launched the coalition, right?
1: Mm, that's right. So our petition is regarding access to permanent residence for low-skilled workers and also open work permits. And you can see it on our website, which is migrantlights.ca. And it sends an email to the new government and to the Prime Minister Trudeau. We set that up as soon as the Prime Minister had been sworn in so that he could be notified. And our petition uh, is doing well, but we really need people to continue signing it. Please go to mygrantrights.ca to see our petition.
0: So in terms of the core demands that the coalition is making, not necessarily just in the petition, but in general. So it's access to permanent residence, open work permits. Are those the key things or are, are there other demands as well?
1: There's definitely others. We're asking for better work permits generally, so that means open work permits, but it also moves removing limits on work permits that don't make any sense, such as new restrictions on the labor market impact assessments that employers have to get to hire new workers that have actually made it harder for workers to change jobs and also putting an immediate moratorium on the 4 and 4 regulation and the elimination of the 4 and 4 regulation, which is something that was introduced, again, by the Conservative government, which means that workers can only stay in Canada working for four years and then they have to leave for another four years, which was initially pitched as a way to protect workers from creating a dependency on Canadian wages and Canadian migration programs, which was very insulting. We think if the federal government really wants to protect workers, we have given them list after list of things that they can do, such as uh, listing and licensing recruiters of migrant workers who charge exorbitant fees for workers to be able to come to Canada. And then a very important thing is that we want permanent residence status for migrant workers on arrival to Canada, just like high-skilled workers have access to. That is one of the most important demands and one of our long-term demands But we are willing to start working with the government as soon as they show us that, for example, they're going to remove restrictions on work permits.
0: Have there been any indications from the new government yet about what their plans are in terms of reforms in this area?
1: Not yet. Unfortunately, we did hear right before the elections from Mr. John McCallum, who is now the Minister of Immigration. So right before the elections, he did respond to some media coverage of an action that one of our members organized, the Caregiver's Action Center, around caregivers and the inability to change jobs and the different vulnerabilities that they face. He did respond to one of the articles that covered that action and said that the Liberal Party wasn't considering permanent residency for caregivers on arrival, which was very disappointing. And then, of course, they got elected, and we haven't heard back on that issue. And we did, of course, look through their campaign promises and the mandate letters. And there is an indication that they will look at LMIA restrictions through the mandate letter that was given to the Ministry of Immigration, but no indication that they're actually looking at permanent residence or open work comments or anything like that, but not to worry. We haven't met with them yet. And we have quite a few different actions coming up that I think will ensure that they hear those demands and then they make sure that those are missing from their priorities right now.
0: Tell me more about the actions that you mentioned.
1: They're actually not definite, but keep your eye out on our website and our Facebook in the month of December. There should be a couple of things coming up. We want to make the Ministry of Immigration and our new Immigration Minister realize that there's other things that caregivers and other migrant workers need in addition to what they're considering and that this is just the beginning of our relationship with them. So these will be actions that are organized by workers around the country. So this should be very interesting. Our actions tend to be, you know, grassroots and very inspiring. So please do come out and keep an eye out for that, and we always organize also nationally and traditionally, so they will happen in several cities at the same time. And I think that's all I can really say about that right now, the details are not decided on yet.
0: So from what I understand, one of the challenges in organizing with migrant workers is that lots of other folk who think of themselves as being supportive of workers and of workers' struggles don't necessarily understand migration issues and don't always have the most useful things to say about migrant workers' struggles in particular. Talk a little bit about that challenge of engaging with other folks who think of themselves as progressive, but don't necessarily have a lot of understanding of migrant workers' issues and struggles.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right, because we're working in the intersection of immigration law and labor law. Or issues. And so people who have dedicated their lives to workers' issues don't necessarily see immigrant workers or migrant workers or people who are migrants as workers until we start forming a part of the conversation. Similarly, in the immigrant rights movement, I think people for a long time have regarded migrant workers as not humanitarian migrants, but as economic migrants or, you know, in some way not a part of the struggle. So we do, I think, walk a fine line where people might not even consider migrant workers part of the struggle. In addition to that, it's been difficult also to get some people to see workers as part of the struggle, but then also to think that it's important all day to also be a part of this movement and movement for migrant worker rights. A lot of labor leaders over time have had trouble really grasping what it is that we're asking for or why we think workers should have access to permanent residency. And you'd be surprised how much pushback we've gotten, or maybe you wouldn't be surprised, from some labor leaders on the fact that workers should be allowed to stay here in Canada and live, right, or that they should come with status just like everybody's families did 40 years ago, 60 years ago, right? It used to be that people came with their families with status, all those programs have changed. And so those pathways do not exist anymore. So you think people would be more open to the discussion of migrant workers being a part of the labor movement, but also realizing that Canada needs hundreds of thousands of immigrants every year to continue the economic growth that keeps the economy moving, right? And so that it's not in fact a floodgate issue and we're not all of a sudden going to be flooded by all these people. And also that our families in the labor movement who came to Canada They were not, by the most part, skilled workers, right? They were not engineers. People came to Canada as construction workers and seamstresses and clerical workers. And that was okay, right? That work is important work and needed as well. So those are the sort of discussions that we're having to have with people. And it's definitely a work in progress.
0: And given all of that... The kind of opening that was created back in September with the sudden attention to refugee issues, did that also create openings to talk about migrant workers or was it harder to fit the broader discussion of migration and work into the space that was opened by that?
1: I actually found it hard to do. We did obviously attempt that and some of us are involved in the work pushing for welcoming refugees in Canada as well as the movement and have, you know, different struggles that we're a part of. I found it difficult for people to to see that connection, right? For some people, refugees are the only people that should be coming to Canada, right? And some people think that we shouldn't really be looking at permanent residence for temporary foreign workers because they're temporary, right? That's what people keep telling me. What part don't you understand about temporary? But it's interesting. If those people actually looked at the statistics and the history of Canada's economies recently, they would realize that those jobs are not temporary, they're permanent. They've been there for at least 50 years, right? They're not going anywhere and those jobs have been filled by the same migrant workers for the last 10 to 50 years. So they're not temporary, it's just that the government has constructed in a way that they're permanently temporary.
0: So if people who are listening to this are supportive and they want to get involved somehow, Beyond signing your petition, what can folks do to uh, get involved?
1: Well, so I will go to Migrant Rights Canada and actually take a look at a couple of the reports by Faye Faraday that we put up. Faye Faraday is a constitutional lawyer that we know and that has been writing on the petition for a long time. And then also check out the websites for Justice for Migrant Workers, for the Migrant Workers Alliance for Change, and our Facebooks. We share resources there all the time. The contact information for every one of those organizations that are members of the national coalition is on the website. So I would suggest that you look at the organization that is locally the closest to you and that you support them in the work that they either have going on the ground provincially or you join their work at the national level. But yeah, currently the coalition is not set up in a way that it can take individual supporters, but rather we prefer that people go to the member organizations and offer their support there. As I said, a lot of these organizations are unfunded. So if maybe you're a part of a union local that has some funds, you might want to look at helping them find some of the money to do their work. Clearly some people are volunteer organizations, so we use money wisely.
0: You have been listening to my interview with Zazna Miranda-Leal, an organizer with the new national organization pushing for justice for migrant workers called the Coalition for Migrant Worker Rights Canada. To learn more about their work or to sign their petition, go to migrantrights.ca. That's migrantrights.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows,